WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. Take this. Non-diabetics using diabetes technology to track their blood sugar and to try to improve their health. I mean, they don't even have the problem, but they stick themselves anyway just to see what's going on in their bodies. Emma Court, healthcare reporter, Market Watch, writing about that. And Emma, uh, how widespread is this, and what are people doing? And does insurance pay for it or not? Yeah, so I wouldn't say it's the most widespread phenomenon. These are the people that I spoke to are definitely kind of people who are intrinsically very interested in tracking their kind of body, you know, the data from their bodies. So they're, these are people who have used a ton of different kinds of wearables. They're members of the Qantas the Hide Self community, which is a group of people who are really interested in the subject. They're people who work at healthcare companies. So it's definitely not something that, like, I would say you're, you should expect to see all of your friends doing in the next month. But it's an interesting subject because it's something that, you know, healthcare companies, technology companies are kind of interested in, and it's possible that this might be, well, right now, these kinds of devices are only approved in the U.S. For people who have diabetes, it's possible it could become kind of a more mainstream um, monitoring uh, kind of aspect. Does Uh, any insurance coverage pay for it? So if if you have diabetes, this is something that you probably do have insurance coverage for, although I'm sure it it varies quite a bit. Um, The people who I spoke with who don't have diabetes, who have been kind of tracking their blood sugar levels, um, you know, for most of them, I think it wasn't covered or um, because, you know, they don't have diabetes. Um, although one person I spoke to was a grad student, had really good health insurance coverage and said it was it was covered pretty comprehensively, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, there was one thing in your article about somebody bringing in a device from Europe. Yeah, so um, I'm, although, you know, I, with the caveat, uh, don't try this at home, um, uh, I think a lot of people because these devices are only approved for people with diabetes in the U.S. and you have to get a prescription from your doctor, um, it, it can be a little bit easier to order one of these products um, from uh, abroad. Um, in Europe, I think you can get it without a prescription. Um, and, um, but some people you know, who didn't have diabetes were able to get their doctors to write them a prescription. I guess their doctors know they're people who are really interested in their own health and you know, were willing to to go along with it. But, but what is interesting is even apparently healthy people register these sugar spikes. Yeah, well, so what was interesting is there's a study out of Stanford University that found that um, even people who haven't been sort of classified as diabetic or pre-diabetic, which means that um, you're kind of at high risk for developing diabetes in the next several years, um, that these people, when they tracked their glucose using these continuous glucose monitors, they found they were actually spiking a lot in levels that would be considered that were very similar to levels that even pre-diabetic or diabetic uh, individuals were at. So um, it's kind of interesting. Um, there isn't like there are good there are tests that can tell you you're you know at risk for diabetes. There is still some kind of uh, difficulty determining if people are going to develop diabetes eventually. You're supposed to kind of try these different, you know, lifestyle changes, you know, start... I mean, I would think that the research is fairly limited on whether someone who spikes a lot is in a pre-pre-diabetic condition or whether a certain number of healthy individuals just have that phenomenon. Right, exactly. And I spoke to someone who's, uh, you know, uh, used to be at the American Diabetes Association who said, look, we don't know. Like, it's reasonable to assume if you're limiting your glucose spikes that that would be good for you, but we just don't have that data yet, and it's not necessarily going to be the top priority for research when, you know, we still yeah. need to know more. And then some people were noticing it uh, when they got up at night, uh, they had some effect on speed, on uh, sleep patterns. 
Um, yeah, so I, I think the people who um, were experimenting with this were able to find some interesting patterns about themselves, about when they, you know, felt like they had low energy or they felt like they, um, you know, weren't sleeping through the night and, and it might have been because their, you know, glucose levels were, you know, quite low. But I wonder if this starts a trend now where... Uh, in addition to sugary drinks and, and candy and uh, dessert, all that is suddenly off. People become aware of spikes from pasta and rice and white bread. And so all of a sudden uh, we have uh, a lot of people going off those foods. Well, yeah, I think what's interesting about this is like a lot of people said to me, look, when you're eating food, you only usually find out much later down the road whether it's kind of having a bad effect on you, whether, you know, if you, you know, if you eat foods that don't necessarily agree with your body, like you only find out later if you've gained weight or things like this, this gives you an ability to kind of monitor in real time. But again, we just don't like, that hasn't really been studied. We don't know that if your glucose is spiking, that that means that this food you should just completely avoid. Like it, it seems reasonable to assume like the this doctor told me, but we don't totally know. But it is interesting. We all kind of have probably noticed that Foods don't ag agree with people in the exact same way. Like maybe you have a friend who can eat, you know, as many burgers as their heart desires, but you're someone who you pick up a burger and, you know, you're the next few weeks you're like really feeling quite gross. And I think um, there's beginning to be more interest in how different foods affect people differently. And I think that would be something that's something that this kind of this story brought out. That's really and, and for the record, uh, at the moment, uh, the technology is still invasive, right? I mean, either uh, pricking the the skin or uh, some kind of, of a wire uh, embedded in the skin with a patch. There's really no way uh, through other means to determine sugar level uh, of the human body at the moment. There probably will be in the future. Yeah, so there's been some attempts to develop less invasive technology, but as of right now, look, I don't think there's anything radio that'll, you know, without some kind of, you know, access to in the inside of your body is going to be able to tell you this information. All right, very interesting in uh, Market Watch online. Thank you, Emma. We'll talk again. Thanks so much. Emma Court, healthcare reporter, Market Watch, with us live on non diabetics and non pre diabetics, some of them still using diabetes technology to track their glucose, their sugar.